There we go, connections back in, back on, finally about time, 11 mile bike ride in the morning. Got to use up those lessons I uh, purchased on italki. Uh, and the, the feeling of the Chinese people, what do you think? Oh, and a little bit more about that metaverse. Tuesday, August 9th, 2022, I'm Stephen Sersky, hope you folks are doing well. And yes, broadcasting live once again uh, on the, the YouTube. Connections are doing better. Um, I don't think it's related to fixing the internet connection yesterday because um, it's it was both connections, my phone connection and my internet, like my uh, my uh, apartment. So it can't be just on my end. It has to be something else. So, but it's been okay so far today, uh, and that's been good. So it's been a little bit more calm in that sense. Uh, actually, able to access some things and get uh, some things done. Now, on the other hand. Uh, the uh, when I was uh, signing into my Google account, it was it popped up here in the browser saying it wanted me to verify my account uh, again. And, but the uh, it was sending messages to my phone which weren't showing up. So I'm not sure what phone number they have on uh, on record, but it was not the one that was uh, that was sending one sending messages to me here. I'm not sure. Have you, have you guys had to do, do this before where you had to verify? your Google account, or just check. Uh, and it probably has to do with some of the uh, assisted connection devices that uh, we use from time to time to uh, access uh, outside of our immediate environs, if you know what I mean. Uh, meaning that um, the, the the web server or like the, um, the browser might be looking at our IP address and going, hmm, don't recognize that one. Just got to check who this person is to make sure that they say who they are. Right? Uh, but... It seems to be working. My, uh, I'm pacified. <laughs> there you go. Because uh, I'll tell you, I mean, when your your work depends on the internet, uh, when your banking depends on the internet, when uh, posting, uh, doing like your other outside of work work, like doing all this extra stuff that I'm doing here, that depends on the internet. Uh, I mean, there's only so much time that you can spend, go do something else and wait for it to connect before eventually you're just like, if it doesn't connect, I may as well just give up sort of thing, right? So thankfully it has connected. 11 mile bike ride in the morning. Uh, I got up finally and uh, in my new practice uh, after first snooze, I did actually get up because I realized actually at like 6.10 this morning, I guess that'd be the second snooze. Well, approaching the second snooze, I'm like, if I got up and went right now, like just got up, got dressed and got out the the, the, the door, I could be back before 7.30. And that is, that's good because that gives me a lot of time uh, to get ready for work and do some stretching and stuff like that. Now, I never did get around to doing my stretching. I ended up going 11 miles uh, only because I went one street too far. Uh, and then that ended up, <laughs> put another mile onto my, uh, my bike ride this morning. But... Uh, I did, I was out the door by 6.30 or so, and I was back by 7.30, so it was pretty good timing. Um, we'll see if that sort of um, motivation and impetus uh, carries over to tomorrow morning as well. I was kind of lethargic later on in the day. Um, never did do my second run, but I did some mobility inst uh, instead. So, But it was good getting out there. I did a time-lapse, uh, another recording of this one, so I'll get that up uh, eventually. And uh, yeah, it was at least... I did the first snooze thing. I think that's uh, the success in, in terms of the new breakthrough for working out, making sure that I get up and get out uh, in a timely manner. 
so I'm not delaying and you know just wasting time but that's good so I got, I got all that done I uh, got a message actually from uh, italki uh, today saying that uh, I have to use up my language lessons with my Russian teacher she's all she also teaches French and Ukrainian and I guess I could switch the um, uh, the classes if I really wanted to I'm not sure if she charges differently and I'm actually not even sure where she is anymore if she's still in France or if she's back in Ukraine I assume she's not back in Ukraine uh, but uh, so that by the end of August, I have to use those lessons up. So I guess I'm going to have to uh, make some time for that or say goodbye to that money. Um, we'll probably go through with it anyway. May as well. I was asked on Friday, uh, last Friday, you know, uh, you know, what are some of the things I'm hearing from the people that I know about this Ukraine and Russian um, invasion going on here? And I, I, I had to be honest. I'm like, I've never seen anti-Russian sentiment so high before like I, I i've tried to play the whole card it's not all russians you know because we meet a lot of russians here but they're not having any of it they're like if they're not being arrested for protesting then they're basically against us like that's that's simply it's an oversimplification of what's happening but it is the sentiment that is there has the, the spike in anti-russian sentiment amongst the, the ukrainian hyphenates that i know uh it's I've never seen it like this. I mean, growing up, we all sort of had this, you know, weariness towards uh, the Russian neighbors and whatnot. But never has it been just so, um, just like this, ever, to tell you the truth. And I've got this uh, other foreign affair articles called uh, Stop Tiptoeing Around Russia. It's time for uh, it's time to end Washington's decades of deference to Moscow. And in it, I haven't gotten through the whole thing, but... Uh, the first half actually talks about a speech that uh, George George H. W. Bush uh, made in Kiev uh, back in 1991. I think it was August 1st, 1991, in which he says, like, you know, uh, we, we don't want uh, there to be this sort of violent nationalism, uh, things like this, wherein, um, you know, the Ukrainians are sort of taking matters into their own hands. Uh, he never vouched for the you, you know the sovereignty of Ukraine itself. He kind of made some deference towards Russia and trying to keep together the Russian central governing body, if not as a Soviet Union, then at least so it didn't um, you know spill over into like violent. What was it? Um, not micro, like basically crazy uh, anarchy. Uh, they didn't want, in the wake of the um, Soviet Union's collapse, the, he figured that the uh, United States would face three different, uh, or the, the administration at that time figured that there would be three major uh, threats. Proliferation of new nuclear weapons, loose nukes, uh, sales of weapons-grade fissile material, uh, especially to non-state actors or countries, and then conflicting loyalties in the Soviet military that might lead to civil war in the newly independent republics, republics or in Russia itself. So this is what they were thinking. And meanwhile, I mean, Ukraine's asking to uh, move towards the West now, but has been for years, and they're still deferring to Russia in some sort of misplaced sense of, well, you know, we don't want to step on the toes of, we don't want to do this. So, yeah, this article is basically saying, stop doing that. Um, solve this problem. Uh, as Putin is trying to solve the problem that he has in his mind, 
this article is encouraging the U.S. to finally uh, make a definitive stance on some things. And it sounds, you know, this is actually, uh, well, this is a long article, so it might take me another day or two to get through it. But uh, the, it's, they, this seems to be happening with another portion of the world, too, that they, uh, there, there's a push to make a definitive response, you know, uh, pick a side, stop sitting on the fence. And uh, it's not, I, I guess after 1991, which to be uh, August 24th, 1991 is when Ukraine uh, voted for democracy, voted for its own, for uh, becoming independent from the Soviet Union. So that, that was when after 300 years of, uh, well, it was 90 years since the revolt of like the Bolsheviks and everything in, in um, that, that made the Soviet Union back in like 1917. Uh, but after, prior to 1917 and 1921, like Ukraine hadn't been free, its own self-governing country for uh, hundreds of years since the Cossack Hetmanite in the 1600s, 17, I think it's 1660, somewhere around there. Uh, I've mentioned this before, and my date's a little hazy. I'll have to double check on that. Um, but basically, the whole idea that Ukraine was, became a country in 1991 was a huge step because it meant that they were finally becoming their own peoples once again that could be self-governing without the meddling of anybody else, which, I mean, is hasn't stopped <laughs> you can call it the russians or the united states the americans or whatever but they're still being uh meddled with even in their internal politics as it is today so we'll see yeah anti-russian anti-russian sentiment is rather um huge ubiquitous uh the, the, these days to tell you the truth that being the case uh ran into one of my neighbors mentioned that Chinese people themselves seem to be a little bit sulky, downtrodden. Sheng Meng Sheng Men Qi, sulky. And I asked my girlfriend about this. She's like, "Yeah, that's me." I'm like, well, I, "I don't. I think you're worse than that." But <laughs> uh, there seems to be this sort of. Um, they're not looking forward to work. But not in like the, you know, the typical Sunday evening of like, oh, I don't want to work. You know, I can't believe my weekend, my fun time is over already. It's more like I don't want to work because I I don't see uh, it leading anywhere sort of thing. Like there's a sort of a, not a depression, but a, like a downtroddenness a little bit. What are you guys seeing? Are you seeing this as well in terms of your, like the the chinese compadres your chinese friends your chinese friendship circles and stuff like that are you are you seeing any sort of optimism or hope or anything like that um or is it just like they're kind of a little bit uh sulky they're a little bit uh not so um peppy as they used to be sort of thing prior to you know covid now to be fair covid has dragged on for a lot of people for a long <laughs> for a long long time and uh i mean the the flood of the expats uh uh like leaving this country uh is probably a good indication as well i wonder how many of uh, how many chinese people are seeing their own compatriots leave the country either for studying if they're emigrating or something else, like, I, I don't know, like, are they seeing something as well that's sort of affecting them emotionally, wherein they see other people making that jump, leaving, 
taking the opportunity to get out and setting up a new life somewhere else, even if it might not be the best life or the optimal life. But at least it's not being, you know, every every week there's a new flare-up of a new variant, right? Because, let's be fair, the rest of the world has sort of, they're talking about other outbreaks and stuff like that, and the monkeypox thing, which I don't, yeah, I'm not sure either, but that that seems to be, like, COVID, as it was two years ago, even a year ago, seems to have uh, tamped down uh, substantially around the world. So and I wonder if that's sort of weighing on some of the people that we uh, we know here uh, who live here in China. But yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah, the, uh, after this, this neighbor mentioned it, I'm like, yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, they might be saying some other things. I, I didn't think downtrodden would be the word. But now that I think of it, I think... Uh, I, I hear people talk about their work or, you know, whether or not they like their work and no one really likes their job anymore. <laughs> like it's not even, it's not even like the, I don't like it. I'll just get through, get through. Well, I don't like it, but you know, or there's, they don't really have a choice. It's, it's basically like they would leave the job, but they can't, there's nothing much else out there that they could immediately jump to. So, it's kind of like they're before they might not have liked their job, but they always had the option to leave. Now it's that they don't like their job, but they have no option to leave. So there's not even like a, you know, oh well, I'll just stick it out for another couple of weeks. I'll keep putting my resume the resume out there, a couple of feelers and stuff like that. But I mean, they're being worked a lot in in their jobs. They're working overtime. They're working six days a week. I can't help but wonder, like, what's the breaking point of this? I I, I kind of don't want to see it, to tell you the truth. I don't want to be here if this ever uh, boils over, spills over, anything like that. Um, I can only imagine what would happen. Um, some tensions might be because of the upcoming elections later on this year. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, downtrodden, I guess. Yeah, because they don't, they don't have that same opportunity to hop jobs if they wanted to. That they had a couple of years ago. Now it's now they're they're very much locked in. On that note, my sky miles are disappearing. Yes, I mean what a thing to say. Uh, but uh, sky miles are I think it's southeast uh, southeastern airlines, southeastern China airlines. Um, they keep on sending these these messages, and I accumulated lots of travel miles before, and now they're all being taken away. They're expiring. Because, I mean, that's what these points clubs do. There's nothing I can do. Where am I going to go? If Sanya's getting locked down, I mean, where else am I going to fly? I've been told, like, Tibet is uh, experiencing a flare-up in um, cases as well. So, I mean, it's not like I can just hop on a flight and use these points for anything. I'm a little bit disappointed. But at the same time, they didn't really do very much, to tell you the truth. I I used a lot of the the air miles, the Chinese air miles, for, um, like, I got an oven out of it that that was the good thing I, I think i got one other thing so that was the good thing about accumulating these miles over the travel uh period of our of my of my life here in china but all those sky miles are being eroded eventually anyway a little bit more about the metaverse so i was listening to this podcast and uh this guy was big on the metaverse 
I'm going, okay, you know, he, he talks a bit more like a, a, a salesman than anything else, uh, even though he is, he is a well-respected financial guy. Uh, he writes newsletters and stuff like that, and he does a lot of research, but he's talking about the metaverse wherein people will own the the universe that they they operate in, basically. And I mentioned this before, talked about how, you know, the, the, the uh, game upgrades or the armor or whatever, the digital assets that you would buy in a game when you're five years old, you could carry with you indefinitely throughout the various iterations of the metaverse throughout your life, and you can keep on reselling them to anyone else who enters into that game. So basically, these games will never die. Now, that's the gamification aspect. Then he mentioned, they're talking about F1 racing. I'm like, wait a minute. F1, Formula One racing could drop a race car, like a, a, a racetrack into the metaverse. Well, then all of a sudden, this clicks and goes, wait a minute. You got the metaverse, fully digital, based on electricity. You got Formula One, who, I mean, it's heavily location dependent, lots of money and big, big everything, big spending and, you know, big loud cars. Good, good, good. But then you have a lot of these amateur drivers who are fantastic at, at rad racer, you know, these racing games. And I'm thinking like even the Star Wars um, space, uh, like the, this, uh, the racing scenes that they had. What if the metaverse was like literally the democratization of racing games then you could build your own car you could enter it into a race and you could compete and you could be anywhere in the world to do this i mean there might be have does it have to be in a, a certain location that has the the computer power to generate the imagery i don't know right and this is I, he was saying that not everybody no one really knows completely how this thing is going to play out but these are some of the possible applications of uh, the metaverse and of NFTs. So let's stretch this even further to other gamification or professional sports. What if you created your own hockey player? And keep in mind with AI, with training, with um, skills development and stuff like that, you could program a character to learn and that would build its own code. So it's learning. It's not learning so much as it's just building its own code base from which it can draw its own uh, actions in the digital world. What if you built a hockey player or a basketball player? And now instead of it just being the NBA, it was like the ENBA. So you had all the NBA uh, hotshots, the NHL hotshots. But now you have the you know, professional e-gamers who are super... Uh, sizing their own assets and competing in a new ENHL. So it'd be like sort of a, a supra a professional, digital professional metaverse built on NFTs. Well, built on the metaverse using NFTs. <sighs> yeah, so <laughs> was that the vodka garlic that I had, had that, uh, that's uh, doing all the talking here? But yeah, so that was another idea that came to mind when I was listening to this. I'm going, that... Uh, you know, it, people, too many people are talking about it for me to ignore it. How do I get involved in it? I still don't know. <laughs> um, I, I understand it. They also mention uh, the game engine Unity. And this, this game engine, actually, Unity is a, a 3D game world uh, development software. It's kind of like your computer programming language times 10 sort of thing, but in, made for it, 
3D digital world creation. It's video effects, but you manipulate it, and you can deploy it for other people to participate in. Unlike where Hollywood creates special effects and you just watch it, Unity, you create um, computer effects or games, 3D games, and not just like an app, but you can then publish it as a game and people can bring their own Unity characters into your your own uh, world as well. So it's kind of crazy to, to see how this is moving forward. So can't ignore it. Is it there yet? Not just yet, but certainly something uh, that I know I'm looking into as well. Yes, this uh, vodka garlic. Uh, so what is this? Okay, so I actually had, I was making dinner today. And I've had these things sitting in my um, my fridge for a while, and I was kind of afraid of opening it because I'm like, I don't want to know how bad they are, to tell you the truth. Uh, they were perfectly normal. Uh, I had seeped, I steeped these uh, two cloves of garlic in this, um, I had a peanut butter jar of vodka that I, I made like year, like a year ago, year and a half ago, and I, the vodka's gone, but the, the garlic was left over. And I was always like, well, you know, I might refill it, I might reuse it. Like today, I just want to get rid of this thing already. I want to, I want to free up some room in my fridge, and I was going to throw it into the the cooking today, just um, you know, to to get rid of it finally. So, but I'm like, you know what? I opened up the uh, the the jar, and they're still good. They they look fine. All right, so cut off a piece, try it. I'm like, it's garlic-ish. It tasted a bit like vodka, but I mean, there was more garlic than vodka, and certainly they were soaked, definitely soaked in in. Uh, soused in vodka but they're still good so i uh ate both both cloves of garlic with my dinner and that uh that acted as my uh, vodka shot for the evening i don't think i'll be doing that uh, again just any, anytime soon but if you're looking for the recipe get a, a peanut butter plastic peanut butter jar fill it with vodka put some vodka uh, put some garlic cloves inside of it that's it done you can do the same thing with coffee i tried that with coffee beans with whiskey same thing just it's like steeping or Sichuan peppercorns. Those ones sting. Be careful with those. You because <laughs> if you do the Sichuan peppercorns, when you <laughs> when you sip that, you gotta let it steep for you know a week or so. You sip that, your whole your lips and your tongue and your throat, your larynx just goes numb. It's um, quite the experience. All right, folks, I'm going to leave it there. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. I uh, hope you guys are doing well. Keeping cool. It was a very much cooler day here in Beijing, uh, which was nice, but I think towards the end of the week, it's going to get hot once again. Show notes, tracks, and vids up on my website, stephenstrzewski.com. Thanks for listening and for watching. We will talk again. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>